0: Welcome to
1: another episode of The How of Business. It's Henry Lopez with you today and a special guest, Nick Neonakis. Did I pronounce that correctly, Nick? You did. Excellent. Well, welcome, Nick. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background on Nick and then I'll have him add to it. Uh, Nick has over 20 years of business experience and 10 years as a senior executive in the franchising industry. He's proof of the American dream in action. His family moved from Greece when he was a boy and they achieved success in this country through hard work and education. Uh, Now his greatest joy outside of his wife and three children is helping those who have made the decision to achieve independence through business ownership and to help them make their own dreams a reality. Uh, Nick has dedicated himself to what he believes he is best at and what he loves doing, which is connecting with people, problem-solving, creating opportunities, and offering pragmatic advice. Uh, Nick is the co-author of the book, The Franchise MBA, which I just finished reading last week. Great book. I thought it was very well written, very accessible, uh, thorough in its content, and I, I love The way it's written and also that thread that you have through it with the Mark story about his journey. The purpose of the book is to help you create wealth through using a franchise vehicle as a business investment. This book provides you information, frameworks, and stories, like I just mentioned, uh, to help you make an informed decision about whether owning a franchise is the right step for you. So we are privileged to have Nick. Nick, welcome, and please add uh, anything you'd like to your background and share a bit more about yourself and the franchise NBA.
0: Well, thanks, Henry. It's uh, great to be with you and uh, to all your listeners. Thanks so much for taking the time to, uh, to listen to us today. Uh, you know, my background, I think, is pretty common to a lot of folks who've come to this country. I came here when I was young and um, grew up in northern New Jersey, hardworking parents. Uh, All of us went to college. You know, that was, of course, sort of the first stop on the American dream is get educated. Uh, And then after undergrad, i moved back to Greece and ran a a business on one of the islands, the island of Santorini, which was terrific uh, and really a lot of fun. Then came back to the States, got into finance, uh, and then went off to get an MBA at Case Western Reserve uh, University in Cleveland, Ohio, where I met my wife. And from there, when I graduated, I got into franchising with a company called First Service, which is the largest publicly traded property services franchise company in the world. I uh, spent many years there working in the development and operations of various companies. And there came a point where I decided to go off on my own and, and started consulting, uh, wrote a couple of books on the topic. Uh, the Franchise MBA is actually the number one bestseller on Amazon's, the highest rated book, so it's very humbling uh, you know, when, when people appreciate what you've done. It's kind of like someone telling you your kid is smart and good looking, (laughs) you know? Um, Right, Right. And so what we do here is we help people define their vision to help them figure out is franchising a good vehicle to help them achieve their own American dream. You know, I think franchising is probably the best transfer mechanism of intellectual property that's ever been created in business. And it accounts for one out of every eight jobs in the United States, uh, contributes uh, eight hundred and thirty nine billion dollars to the u s. economy annually. And you know, franchising is something that has helped a lot of people uh, over the years. And you know not not for everybody, but certainly for a lot of people. It's a good way to understand entrepreneurship and, and to take a look and see what's out there. And what we have the, the pleasure of doing uh, with a company that I founded called the Franchise Consulting Company is we get to work with these folks. We get to help them articulate their visions and then put them into uh, pragmatic business plans to go and find franchise companies that fit their criteria and then to help them with the process of investigation to make sure they cross their T's and, and dot their I's. Excellent. Excellent. I, well, thank you for that. Uh, tremendous background.
1: We, we have some similarities there and that I'm also a son of immigrant parents, so I completely understand that journey. And again, it's a lot of what America is made of. And then you, you mentioned Santorini, which of course, as we had exchanged an email, I was just had the privilege of being there last summer, uh, my first time ever. Fortunately, my wife convinced me to. We had gone on a Mediterranean cruise. And so this was being added on and we were exhausted by that point in time. And we had some minor issues at the Athens airport. They they were very nice, but it was, it was our, our mistake. And so we were exhausted by the time we got there, but oh my goodness, what a, what a place, huh? That's so had you, you had been there in childhood and then decided to go back there or tell me a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. Well, my family is from the Island of Crete, which is about 90 miles South of Santorini. (laughs) And uh, I had visited there during uh, college and then just absolutely fell in love with the place and and went back afterwards to uh, to run a business on the island uh, and then was actually married on Santorini. Oh wow! Yeah, years okay. years later, on a little tiny island, which was just to the left of the very nice picture that you uh, you sent. Me. So, yeah. <laughs> no. excellent.
1: So, so did you stay there during the winter? Because my understanding is everybody is a mass exodus during the winter, except
0: for the locals. So, what happened during the winter? Yeah. So uh, during the winter, that's when folks travel. And uh, for me, I yeah, I, I would spend eight months running the business and then four months traveling, and I got to travel all over the world for uh, three years. That was fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, a lot of learning there. So in this episode,
1: Nick's obviously going to share a lot of his tremendous knowledge about franchising, but you've also gone through, as we've alluded to, that transition into being an entrepreneur yourself. So I'd like to start there if we could and just if you could share a little bit more about that transition. You worked for a large organization and then transitioned into being your own boss. Tell me about that. What was that like? What were some of the challenges in making that transition?
0: Sure. Well, you know, I think uh, like most folks who decide to leave the warm embrace of corporate America, uh, definitely some sleepless nights. You know, I was uh, vice president of a a company, a terrific company, uh, people that I really enjoyed working with, uh, was paid well. There came a point where inside of me, I knew that if I was going to be able to achieve the things that I wanted for myself and my family and to be able to put My stamp on myself and and the community and the world Uh, The only way I could really do it was was by charting my own destiny And so I took a look at what were the things that I enjoyed doing what had value as I perceived it and I think a lot of times when people are looking to own a business they they don't do that kind of introspection that self-assessment and I found that when I thought about the things that I enjoyed doing And where I wanted to go and where there were some deficits in the market, then that helped me clarify my business planning to think about what were the types of things that I could provide that would have value to others and that would in turn uh, create value for for myself as well. And so I think that type of introspection, that kind of business planning where you're thinking about where do you want to go five years, 10 years from now? And then working backwards to think about what are the vehicles or the vehicle that you want to use to get you there, I find the entrepreneurs that do that they tend to have a clarity of purpose that becomes very important uh, as you know as they start defining themselves and then the the journey and ultimately the destination. And it's been it's been a terrific process over the last several years. Uh, we've we've grown very rapidly and uh, you know have been blessed with lots of success. But that's what mm-hmm. that's so, what we can do in this country. Right. Exactly. So I, I might imagine as you were defining
1: that for yourself, your vision, your journey, you saw that working for someone else wasn't going to allow you to do that. It was just too limiting. Is that way you were feeling at that point?
0: It was, you know, I mean, ultimately, when you think about it, either you have the ability in this one life that we have to chart your own destiny or to follow the course of somebody who's charted their destiny. And for me, it became, uh, it became unacceptable to, to not feel like I was in control of my, my destiny. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting, uh, I teach a, a business school class at Case Western a couple of times a year for a dear friend of mine, Richard Osborne. And I always like to start the, the class off with what's riskier working for a corporation or owning a business. And the answer tends to be reflective of the answerer's background. If their parents uh, worked in, in corporate America, they tend to say, well, owning a business is riskier because you can go out of business. People who've grown up in business owning families view it a little bit differently. They say, well, working for somebody is riskier because if you work for someone or a corporation, which is you're working for somebody, somebody else. A hundred percent of your income is dependent upon the actions of that other person. Whereas if you own a business, you have lots of clients. So your income is not dependent upon any one particular person. It's actually dependent upon your activities. So I, I believe in that, that if you are working for a corporation, that the risk that you take is actually the greatest risk because whoever your boss is, And even if that boss is your shareholders, they can vote you out or fire you from the job. But if you own a business, then you have yourself to rely upon. And if you really believe in what you're doing, you're probably going to work pretty hard to make sure that succeeds. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. That's exactly the way I
1: look at it. But that that question is such an insightful one. I think that we are also, of course, indoctrinated to an extent by our system, right? Our school system, and then in college, we're, we're being trained to go get a job, a good job, and hopefully if we get to go to college, a better paying job. But it's all about that job, and so we're conditioned into thinking that way for lots of us, except, like you said, if we're fortunate to have A background where maybe we had some early influences but that's what we're conditioned to do would you agree absolutely the machine doesn't work if it doesn't have cogs that's right that's right so obviously that that um that entrepreneurial spirit was there with your parents especially with your dad being an immigrant that has to have had an early influence on you i have to
0: suspect it sure has yeah absolutely i think uh you know coming coming to this country and uh, you know having to kind of go and fend for yourself uh, certainly teaches you lots of lessons at an early age. Yeah, makes you resourceful. All right, well, let's move into franchising.
1: I have always looked at it. That was my first business venture, by the way. In 1991, I bought an existing uh, franchise unit. It was a pizza franchise, still exists here, Mr. Jim's Pizza. And so that was my first business venture. The way I look at it is it seems to me like it's a great option for first-time business owners because of everything that a franchise offers that we'll get into. But what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's something that's A great thing to
0: consider for first-time business owners. I believe so. I think there there are lots of options for people to consider. And I think that you would want to study each of them. I don't think any one particular option is the the right option for everybody. But I think franchising makes a lot of sense because you have a team of people who are working with you to help you grow the business. And if it's a, a, a system that has been around for a while, you have lots of case studies that you can go and take a look at and get a sense of what are the activities that you're going to be doing? What kind of people are you going to be working with? What kind of money can you make? And to go and, and actively put yourself into the role of a business owner without actually having to do it. That's the wonderful component of franchising is that we get to investigate these because they're for sale. We can go and check them out. We can check out one or two or 10 different franchise systems or however many you want and go and see which is the one that best suits you, your market and the, uh, the goals that you have. Can it ultimately help you get there?
1: Yeah. And as one of the ways you put it in the book, it allows you to pressure test every step in the process. And so that's what you're talking about there, where you can actually examine what they're doing and how well they're
0: doing it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you've got a four step process, to really go and do, do the investigation. And in my book, we outline this. And the, the visual that I always tell people is imagine you want to cross a river that has four big stones going across it. And when you walk on these stones, you want to be really deliberate and careful, you know, kind of test before you commit, make sure that the stone is solid down in the riverbed. And the first step, the most important step is you. It's the introspective self. It's where are you trying to get to? What are you good at? What aren't you so good at? What kind of people do you want to be around? What, what ultimately is your vision? But I think write that down because then when you take the second step, we can use the business plan from the first step to go and see are the companies that we're going to investigate, do they fit these criteria that, that are important to us? And we can go and take a look at the franchisees in those systems and see, are they achieving the kinds of goals that we've articulated in that first step as being important to us? And go and look at lots of them and narrow that down over a period of time through a really good investigation and get it to one or two companies that you think, you know what, this might be the one. And then take the third step, which is go spend time working in the business. Go follow an owner around. Go see what it's all about. And whether you like it or hate it, either one's okay, but do that before you buy that franchise. And the good franchise systems, they want you to do that. They want you to come. They want to know what you're all about. And I liken it to buying a, you know, a, a, a car that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you'd probably want to go and take it for a spin, right? So I think in that third step, that's where you really pressure test all of the pieces that you've learned about And then the last step is the legal and the financial steps, and and those are big steps, but paradoxically, because they're very well defined, you know, if you you need to hire an attorney to review the documents, there's a wonderful list on the International Franchise Association website, which is franchise.org. Uh, where you can go and take a look at all the top franchise attorneys in your area, who have a specialty in this field, or if you want to finance a business, there are companies out there that can help you do this, like uh, Benetrends or Guidant Financial or your local bank, and they all have a process for helping you with that. The step in 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 all of this, where there really isn't a lot of process, where people tend to have a hard time, is defining themselves, and that's really where we focus a lot of our attention when we work with clients. To help them with their business planning and their vision. Because I find that tends to be the hardest step for most people. Yeah, I can imagine. So yeah, that's tremendously valuable. And
1: I'll have in the show notes, by the way, for the listeners on the howabusiness.com will have links to everything that you've referenced as far as resources goes. But yeah, that that initial step, that introspection, as you put it, that is so important that we do that step. And that's again, where you help folks get through that. And so that relates to my next question, which is about what, what makes a good franchisee. And you talk about in a book about characteristics and skills and attributes, you even list the 10 traits of successful leaders that you think translates. But highlight a couple of them. What, what do you think you see are common characteristics that lead to it being a good franchisee?
0: Well, years ago, uh, a mentor of mine asked me the question, on a continuum of an employee versus a total entrepreneur, That you have invented something and then brought it to market. Okay, if these are the two opposite extremes of this continuum, where do you think a franchisee falls into place? And the answer tends to be somewhere in the middle. So it's somebody who has a need to be entrepreneurial, but at the same time is comfortable in following a system. If they can't follow a system, then probably a franchise isn't the right place for them because think of well, let's say a McDonald's, if you go into a McDonald's in Texas or in Florida, where I am, the menu offerings are going to be materially the same, right? It's not going to be, oh, we're going to have pizzas and we're going to have, uh, you know, gyros and we're going to have all kinds of stuff. We're going to put whatever we want to put into this McDonald's. So there's got to be a system that that they're following. But at the same time, the going to work, keeping it clean, caring about your customers, being active in the local community, these are all entrepreneurial traits. So I think, you know, some of the areas where I find in the very beginning of this process is how do people calculate risk when you're looking at a business opportunity? If it's a fully entrepreneurial option, i.e., this thing has never existed before and you are going to bear upon yourself all of the components of the business, then there might be a bit of a higher risk there, whereas with a franchise... You can calculate the risk because you have other people who have purchased this franchise in markets potentially very similar to yours. So you have that ability to go and take a look at, for instance, uh, let's take a system that has 200 locations. What was the average cost of opening one of these locations? What are the activities that these people are engaging in? How similar or dissimilar are they, you know, across this whole spectrum? Uh, What kind of outcomes are they achieving? And so if you do this type of analysis, you have the ability to calculate your risk based upon what you're seeing out there in the field. And then your ultimate question should be, how similar are you to these people that you see achieving these types of results? and do you think you can do it that's the introspective part so i find the risk calculation with a franchise tends to be a little more systematic because we have examples and so i think people who own franchises or businesses they don't it's they're not risk takers they're more risk calculators and i find the the more clearly you can calculate that risk and understand what the risks are and the returns that gives you the ability to navigate the the franchise path or the business path a little more easily than if you just go in and buy a business because, oh, geez, I love the subject matter. You know, I, I love ice cream, so I'm going to go buy an ice cream business. Well, that's not a good reason to buy an ice cream business. The, you know, the other piece is uh, the ability to adjust your leadership style. And there are a number of different leadership styles out there. And typically, they tend to manifest themselves According to the type of business or enterprise that that somebody has think about the difference between let's say the United States Marine Corps and uh, The Grateful Dead okay two very different groups. They both have leadership styles. They're both Organizations that require uh, some type of command and control, but there's going to be a real difference there so in your ability to adjust your leadership style First of all, you want to think about, culturally, what kind of person are you? How do you best interact with people? When were there times that you did really well in your life? And why? And what scenario was that? Now you take that and go and look at businesses. Is it more of a command and control style that you work well under? Well, there are franchises out there that their leadership style is very reflective of the United States Marine Corps. The other franchises may have one that's uh, more similar to uh, you know, a Grateful Dead concert. And either one's okay. It's where are you going to best be able to take direction and guidance? Because if you are more of a Grateful Dead kind of supporter, you might not do so well in the Marines. Maybe you will, but maybe you won't. So you want to think about who you are first. And then when you're looking at different companies, think about what the Structure is around leadership from the franchisor to you as the franchisee. The next component is going to be how is the business run and what is your leadership and management style like with employees? Some people enjoy having employees, some people don't. A big mistake would be if you don't have management experience or you don't enjoy managing people, getting into a business where there's a very heavy management. (laughs) component. And the same would be true if there's a very heavy sales component, but maybe you're not very sales oriented or don't have a high sales aptitude. So these are the types of things that if you're honest with yourself, if you look inward and you do your homework, calculate what it is that you're getting yourself into, and then culturally, is this the right fit for you? I find if if you can balance those two things out, then you tend to have a pretty clear view of what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, wonderful. Tremendous insight. So risk calculators,
1: that that tends to be the type that maybe a franchise suits you better. And then this whole leadership style and finding that alignment between, first of all, analyzing what your leadership style is and aligning that with the right option from a franchise perspective. I'm assuming that's what you all in part do at franchise consulting company is to help people understand that because not everybody is, uh, conscious or, uh, can articulate or really has thought about what their leadership style is. So
0: I'm sure you have to help a lot of folks through that, right? We do. Usually it's, it's, you know, having conversations and asking questions. Um, I think most people deep down inside, they, they tend to, to understand themselves pretty well, but sometimes when you're putting it into new context, they may, may not have a frame of reference for that. So Mm -hmm. helping them put their who they are into context with what they're going to be engaged in tends to be a lot of what we do. We're we're big supporters of, you know, adult learning theory. Right. See, learn, do.
1: Right. Then the other thought, when I read that section of the book, I thought it also was speaking to the fact that your leadership style has to evolve over time, particularly if you're fortunate to have your business grow. So you go from, let's say, one unit to multiple units, or you run it initially yourself, but then you hire a manager. So I think you were speaking to that as well, that you have to grow your leadership style over time or assess that maybe you need to bring someone in
0: because you may not be the best fit for the next phase of your business? Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, you, you want to think about where you're going to put yourself into that continuum, right? A mature business is going to be managed vastly differently than a startup business. And so, you know, think of your own leadership style, you know, go back to when you were maybe in your mid-20s and and had your first job and you were managing people how you dealt with people then, as opposed to, you know, how you do now, uh, that, that you've got a bit more experience under your belt. And so I think you want to be very cognizant of, of that. And certainly I think the two levers that you have to work with are time or money. And depending on what you have more of, that's what you want to capitalize your business with. If you have lots of money, then you can hire people to do the the things that otherwise you wouldn't want to do, right? If you don't, then you've got to put your time into it. And that's where you have to be very cognizant of who you are and and where the business is going to require your time. And if you're feeling like it's just not the right fit, my advice to people, uh, which, which I tend to give out a lot of is is (laughs) walk away. If it's not the right fit, don't do it. It's as simple as that. Nick, what's one way you would
1: recommend someone go about determining if a particular franchise is a good fit for them?
0: I think the easiest way is to talk with franchisees and get a sense of, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing it. And if you see yourself doing doing those kinds of uh, activities and going and, and physically doing them, uh, you know, you give up a lot with a franchise. You have to follow the rules. You have to pay fees. Your ability to expand is dictated by the franchisor. You know, if you open up a franchise in Texas and then you want to go open up another location in California, you actually don't have the right to do that. So in return for that ceiling, the franchisor provides you a foundation. And so your goal, I think, your mission when you're looking at a franchise versus an entrepreneurial activity is, what has greater value to you currently? Is it the foundation to build the, the the business, the building on, or is it the airspace up above to continue adding layers? Oftentimes, what you find is, just like your story, uh, Henry, is is you people will buy a franchise, they get started in business, they become comfortable in running a business, and sometimes they will then go out and do something else. Sometimes they'll add additional units of that franchise, and there's some very large franchise systems uh, that have significant franchisees that have dozens of locations that are, you know, multi-multi-million dollar operations. So it really depends on what where you place the value at the phase of your life that you're in, the foundation or the ceiling. So in evaluating
1: whether a franchise is the right fit or not, you're looking at those, like you said, those foundational components that are provided there And looking to see if that fits with what you're looking for at that particular point in your life. And I mentioned that you might start with a franchise, but I also know plenty of people who later on in their business careers will purchase a franchise because it's a good fit as to where they are or where they
0: want to go next with building their businesses. Would you agree with that? That's right. And oftentimes people who own other businesses are looking at the franchise system as a collection of tools. And are those tools purchased through the franchise company less expensive or better in quality than what they can buy on the local market? Things like marketing, operations, finance, brand, and so forth. And sometimes it's, you know, somebody has a collection of businesses, and if you think of it like a portfolio of equities and, and you know, bonds and so forth, they're thinking about the overall R squared of that portfolio. How can they reduce their risk but increase their potential return? And sometimes diversification is a good way to think of that, whereby you are purchasing a franchise business that is completely uncorrelated to your other businesses. You know, an example might be uh, a general contractor who purchases a restaurant or a haircutting business or something to that effect that Is completely different from what their normal activities are, and in so doing, they achieve a level of diversification. Let's
1: talk about financing. As you state in your book, the simple assumption is that you have some capital and a decent credit score to work with before you decide to own a business. You also explained that there are two types of funding other people's money and your money. And oftentimes, it's a combination of both of those that is the winning formula. Would you please elaborate a bit more on this topic of financing, especially as it relates to a franchise business?
0: Sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, there are lots of ways to finance a business. You can use equity, you can use debt or some combination of the two there are SBA loans out there, uh, that, that you can access. Typically what I'm seeing is usually it's 20 to 30% down and then the remainder is financed. Uh, current, current rates seem to be around six and a half percent. Uh, so, you know, the simple math there would be about $1,100 for every hundred thousand financed. Uh, usually this is a 10 year term. But you can also use equity. Some people will use a home equity line. Some people will use um, their IRA uh, and set up a C corporation and then roll funds over into that uh, corporation. It's called the ROBS program. Uh, And there are a number of companies that can do that and help you uh, pull those funds out tax and penalty free. You need to put them back in at some point. but if you go on to um, on to the IRS.gov uh, website, there's uh, a whole explanation about how that's done. And then there are companies out there that can provide specialized financial guidance around purchasing a franchise or a business, um, businesses like Benetrends and Guidant uh, or Direct Connect Ventures or Wells Fargo, Citibank, Bank of America. They all have uh, great uh, arms to help with buying businesses. Um sometimes people will use, uh, friends and family, you know, that, uh, FNF as, uh, as I guess it's affectionately called in uh, the finance industry. Um, and you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways to really think about that. I think one of them is if you're going to borrow money from friends and family, think very carefully about what you're doing. Um, if the business doesn't work out, uh, you don't want that relationship to not work out either. And so, you know, there's, uh, Just a lot of thought that I think you want to put into that. But ultimately, just like learning about franchising, I think you want to go out and learn about all the different financing options that are out there. There's no one particular right way to finance a business. It really depends on what options you have available and what your risk tolerance is. And so my advice to people is go and learn about all of them. Go do a cost of capital analysis and get a sense of, what is it that you're working with? What what options do you have? What strikes you as a reasonable option and, and which ones aren't so reasonable? And ultimately, it really is about education. The more you're educated about how these things work, the more comfort you're going to have about making decisions. Because at some point, you have to make a decision whether you want to do something or not. It gets down to a very clear yes or no. And I find the people that have a very hard time with making decisions, it isn't that they have a hard time making decisions. It's that either they haven't put the homework in that they need to, or the people that they have engaged with are not able to give them clear and concise answers. And that's really what the franchise consulting company is about, is helping people understand what options are out there point them in the direction of the support mechanisms that we're very fortunate to have in this country, in terms of banks and legal and franchise companies and so forth, to go and see what are their options, and then to help them with decision frameworks to decide which option makes the, the most sense for them. And sometimes, Henry, that option is, it's not the right option to buy a business at this time. And oftentimes that is the case, whether it's due to capitalization or uh, where they are in their life, for instance. Uh, But again, education tends to answer most of these heavy-duty questions that people have.
1: And Nick, most franchisors do not offer financing
0: directly, is that correct? Yeah, in broad strokes, most do not. Some do. Uh, Most will have vendors who understand their business, maybe financial institutions that they can point you uh, to where maybe they have underwritten, you know, dozens of these franchises in the past. And so the lending institution has a high degree of confidence in, in the business model and so forth. And then it it is more of a question of who is the applicant as opposed to who is the business. And to get started, you'll have to put in some of your
1: own capital as well and put some of that at risk, some of your own money at risk, Otherwise, no one's going to lend to you. Certainly no one's going to lend to you
0: 100% of what you need to get started. Is that right? Correct. You do. Uh, you know, if uh, if you don't have skin in the game, uh, it's unlikely that somebody is going to finance you. And I get calls like that from folks all the time uh, who feel like there might be grants uh, out there to help people with, uh, with buying a business. But the reality is if the bank has... Uh, Uh, All the risk and you have none of it. Well, what's what's to keep you from if it doesn't work out just deciding to walk away? So, yeah.
1: One of the things you recommend in the book is not reading the FDD, the franchise disclosure document, until after you've understood the business that you're evaluating through research and talking to other franchisees and then come to reading the FTD once you've narrowed it down. Would you elaborate a little bit more on this approach uh, to delaying when you read the FTD?
0: That's right. I think first you want to put together a universe of companies that makes sense. I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of time reading disclosure documents and getting into minutiae very rapidly. And I think if you are interested in owning a franchise, first – Go up to 30,000 feet and take a look at all the different options that are out there. There are over 3,000 of them. Now, if you take them one at a time and start reading the FDD, you're in for a real long stretch of reading documents. So I think first is to put together a collection of 5, 10, 15, 20, however many you think is appropriate, businesses that you think, you know what, this business would make sense in this area think I could make it work. It seems like the products, the services, the brand are all things that match up with what, in my business plan, I said are important to me. And then once you have that, then start engaging with the franchisor and learn about what their business is. Because sometimes when you read an FDD, you don't really get a full picture of the business. You get details of the business. And so I think if you step away from that a little bit, then you can take a look at the entire business. For sure, you need to read that FDD with a fine-tooth comb. But if you dive into it too early, you may not understand what the business actually is all about. You know, it's the uh, the old adage about the three blind men going and touching an elephant and not really knowing what it was that they were touching because they were only touching one particular part of it. So I think you have to read the FDD. Uh, My recommendation is you probably want to have a franchise attorney review it. But in the beginning, figure out yourself and what your local market needs before you start going and spending lots of time on the business. Because what you might find is you spend 10 hours reading an FDD, and then you have a 20-minute conversation with the franchisor, and you say, well, this business just isn't for me. Well, in my mind, you just wasted 10 hours of your time the 20 minutes was pretty worthwhile so if we have that 20 minute conversation and we say this isn't for me there's no reason to read the FDD if you have the conversation and you say this looks pretty interesting then it's probably worth spending some more time diving into it so go at 30,000 feet first and then then get down into the weeds
1: what is one thing you have observed that successful franchisees do correctly
0: and taking the time in the beginning to get educated about all of the components of franchising, and then following a process. you know, having a vision and then following the process to make sure that they answered all the questions and put themselves into the the seat, you know, the the literal and figurative seat of of what is it that they're going to be doing after they sign this this agreement, after they become a franchise of this or that system. And so I think getting in and understanding the people, understanding where the model fits in with their vision, because again, you don't want to force your vision to fit the franchisors. The franchise is the one that has to wrap around your vision, right? It's It's like going and buying a shirt that you know the measurements of who you are for, as opposed to just taking any shirt off a rack. Maybe it fits, but maybe it doesn't. So... I find the people who've done that, put the time in, gotten educated, spent time with franchisees, actively learning and culturally understanding who the franchisor is and that their vision matches up with the franchisee's vision, those people tend to do pretty well because they know what they're getting themselves into.
1: Nick, would you please share more details about the services you and the Franchise MBA and the Franchise Consulting Company? Uh, the services that you offer to your clients we would elaborate a bit more on that if you would please
0: sure well the franchise consulting company which is uh, our website is the dot com has a number of consultants who work across the entire uh, united states and canada and work with individuals and businesses who are interested in owning franchises. We can help them with their business plans. We can help them create a universe of companies that fit their criteria. We can help them with the questions of the the why and 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 the how and where is it that they're trying to go, and then help them get connected with quality organizations that have helped people get there. Um, our services are free of charge to our clients. Uh, our fees are paid by the franchisors. So it's very similar to real estate in this regard where we act as buyer's agents uh, and it's the seller of the property that pays. And we are happy to uh, to talk with your listeners. Uh, If we can help them in any way, we will. If we feel that franchising isn't the right fit, we'll just tell them that we don't think it's the right fit. And I'll, I'll make a further announcement here. If you've been listening in on this, and I sure hope I didn't put you to sleep, but I will give out a free copy of The Franchise MBA to any of the folks that uh, that are coming over through your organization. Henry, if they just uh, send us an email and reference that they listen to this podcast, I'm happy to send them a free copy of uh, of one of our books.
1: Wow, that is a tremendous offer. Thanks, Nick. This is a great book, The Franchise MBA. So folks, uh, our listeners take advantage of this opportunity. You can find a link to send Nick the email to request your free book. You can find it on our show notes page at the how When you go to the how business.com you can either search for Nick or find the episode and there you'll find a link on the show notes page. So take advantage of it. This is a great book. It's packed full of great information if you're even thinking about investing in a franchise, I highly recommend it. So Nick, let me start to wrap it up and ask you this question. Why is it that your clients refer you to others? What well, what is it about your services and your opinion that make you unique?
0: Well, I think we listen to our clients very intently. We look to understand what is it that they're trying to achieve and we give them no nonsense, pragmatic advice as to either how to achieve that or why it may not be the right option for them. Um, we work with a lot of quality people, with a lot of quality franchisors. Uh, we are learning education. We are constantly curious about how things work. And I think that tends to be one of the things that binds the dozens of consultants that are in our organization together is that we we really have a peer network of business people who've really achieved a lot of success in their life who are looking to help others uh, find that success. And so we have a lot of eyeballs on a lot of different aspects of franchising. And the reason that that we created this organization is to be able to share that and to, to help people figure out, is franchising the right vehicle for them? That's great. That makes perfect
1: sense as to why you have been so successful with your company. Um, one of the last questions here, Nick, is there a book besides your own that you would recommend to
0: our listeners? You know, I think, uh, if you're going to look at franchising, a book I recommend all the time, which I think is a fantastic book is loopholes of the rich. It's uh, kind of a racy title, but it's a fantastic book. It's a tax treatise. It talks about various incorporation strategies, And I think if you're going to look at the world of business, you want to think about what incorporation strategies you have available to yourself, how finances move through a business. And I find that that financial education, that financial literacy, is one of the things that's sadly lacking uh, in a lot of the folks that we work with. Doesn't mean that you can't learn it. it, just means that you need to spend a little bit of time learning about it. So uh, written by Diane Kennedy and, and just a terrific, uh, terrific lady and a terrific book. Highly recommended.
1: Nick, thanks so much for all the information you've shared today. Tremendous insights, uh, not to mention the free book, which everybody should take advantage of. Uh, where can people go online to find out more about you and about the franchise company?
0: Sure. Our uh, website is The T-H-E, franchise Uh, The best email to send a request would be info at the franchise And if you could just put in the subject line, uh, heard on Henry Lopez's show, that would be fantastic. And then we'll, uh, we'll uh, mail one out to you immediately. Um, and if you would like to call us, please feel free to call at 800 321
1: Nick, thanks again for being with us today and
0: sharing your knowledge. Thanks so much, Henry. And to all the listeners out there, really appreciate uh, your time today and, and be blessed and have the American dream. It's out there for you.
1: Yes, it is. Well, folks, thanks for listening to this episode of the How of Business. You can find all of the links and references book recommendations, and of course, the link to the free book, The Franchise MBA. You can find all of that at our website, thehowofbusiness.com, on the show notes page for this episode. If you've been listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our podcast, and we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business.
0: Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.